in your program, in the English program, there is a, a couple of passages of scripture that I wanted to read. So if you'd like to follow along, you may. The first one is found in Luke, in the Gospel of Luke. It's Luke chapter 1, verses 26 to 35, and then 37 and 38, and it describes for us Mary's experience as she was spoken to by the angel. God chooses Mary, and Mary accepts. Here's what it says. God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, But how can this be? How can it happen? I am a virgin. The angel replied, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. For the word of God will never fail. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. So it's quite a story. And I'm really glad that it's not just a story. So God chooses Mary and Mary accepts. Faith is required in order for Mary to respond to this. She has to have faith. And so accepting her destiny required the faith that you see described here in Hebrews chapter 11, verses 1 to 3 and verse 6. Again, I'll read it from the program. Copied from, from the Word of God. What is faith? It is the confident assurance that something we want is going to happen. It is the certainty that we hope for is waiting for us, even though we cannot see it up ahead. Men of God in days of old were famous for their faith. By faith, by believing God, we know that the world and the stars, in fact, all things were made at God's command and that they were all made from things that can't be seen. You can never please God without faith, without depending on Him. Anyone who wants to come to God must believe that there is a God and that he rewards those who sincerely look for him. Pray with me before we, before we share tonight this important, important question. 
Father, you know everybody in this room. You know everyone who will be listening to this. You know what they need, and you know, Father, what they're dealing with tonight. We just want to thank you. And it's my prayer, God, that you will speak to each one's, each one's heart, every single one of us, and help us to understand how much you care about us and the wonderful plan that you have for each one. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Mary. Mary was a, a young girl. Very young. In those days, uh, young girls, 12, 13, 14, would be, would be married, engaged. They would be already committed to a man and to a life and to a future. And so here's Mary, probably in between 12 and 14 years old, and she has been chosen by Abraham and, uh, excuse me, by Joseph. Abraham, she'd have to go way back. Chosen by Joseph. Joseph has already gone to the mom and the dad and they've had their, their interaction and the choice has been made and they are going to spend, they're going to spend their lives together. Mary is excited. You have to remember where Mary is from. The Bible tells us that Mary is from Nazareth. Now if you've read the scriptures at all, you know that you know that a couple of times Nazareth is mentioned in the New Testament, but not in a good way. In fact, one person even writes and says, can anything good come out of Nazareth? So here you have Mary who is born in Nazareth, the place where it was considered the armpit, the armpit of the area, like the worst of the worst area to be brought up in and to live in. And so... Here you have Mary growing up in this society, in this situation, and she, she, like all the other girls in Nazareth, has a dream. She has a dream and a desire to find someone that is reliable and trustworthy and respectful, to find someone who is going to take care of her and someone with whom she can have a life and a future. So in Mary's young mind and heart, her destiny, her destiny was tied to Joseph. She really thought, she really felt that her life was in a good place. Joseph was a good man. Their lives were going to be really, really good. I mean, comparatively speaking, Joseph was a carpenter. Joseph had already established himself. Joseph was going to take care of her, and, and so she had it made. She had it made, not just in Nazareth, but by the standards around the area. She was in a good place, a good place. So she thought, this is my destiny. It's going to be so good. I'm going to marry Joseph. We're going to have a couple of rugrats, you know, that run around, and kids that grow up, and and we are going to spend our lives together. It's going to be absolutely wonderful. Whatever we need in the house, Joseph can make it because he's a really good carpenter. So she's excited. You know, no people needed to help. Don't have to hire anybody out. Joseph can handle it. He does that kind of stuff really, really well. 
So in Mary's mind, her destiny is set. She looks to the future and she sees her life working out just fine. Just fine. Most of the other people that grew up in Nazareth, you know, they probably felt strongly that they were destined to failure or destined to misery or destined to a life of heartache or destined to a life where everybody else looked at them growing up in Nazareth as those from the armpit of the area. So you can imagine that Mary's excited and she's looking forward and she's totally thrilled about her destiny. Most of us in, the, in this room have an idea of our destiny. Most of us who are in this room have thought about life the way it ought to be and how wonderful it should be and where we ought to go and what we ought to do and how it's going to all unfold. I remember, I remember when I was 19 years old and I was looking across the cafeteria at the lunchroom and I was noticing this other young lady that was kind of hanging out there and getting some food and I thought, you know, I, I, that's, I like that. I like that. I like that lady right there. And I remember that uh, about a year after that, you know, we, we had a discussion, that lady and I, about spending the rest of our lives together. And I asked her, I said, will you grow up with me? You know, and she naively said, sure. She didn't know that when I asked her to grow up with me, I was asking her to marry me. Because later on, we're sitting at the lunch table, and I was showing her how I asked her, and it was already done deal, and she's kind of like freaking out. What? I had to just remind Ruth it was destiny. <laughs> but I remember the feelings that Ruth and I had. Engaged for a year, which was absolute hell. <laughs> Finally, we got married. But during the time of our, our spending life together, I mean, looking ahead, looking forward, looking down the road, I just thought, man, this is wonderful. Everything is moving the way it should. Everything's awesome, and everything's just great. Great. Destiny is beautiful. There's an awful lot of things as we grew together and went from one year to the next. Challenges that we faced and troubles that we faced and hardships that we had to face that made me realize that that which I had in my mind, that which I envisioned, that which I thought was going to be, wasn't quite the way I thought it was going to be. It doesn't mean it was bad. It just means it was different. It was different. And you can imagine, we read the passage from Luke chapter 1. You can imagine Mary, who is 12 to 14 years old, and she's got her futures just really bright. And then suddenly this brightness shows up. Gabriel shows up. And Gabriel tells Mary, basically, I have a destiny for you that is so different than what you could ever imagine. Mary's life totally changed. Totally changed. What was God asking Mary to do? What was the angel asking Mary to do? 
the angel is saying to Mary, Mary, you're going to be the vessel, the vessel through which God is going to become man. You're going to carry the Messiah, the Savior. Mary, you're going to be the vessel that's going to bring the Son of God into this world, and this Son that you bring into this world is going to be born to die. How do you think that equated with Mary? We know what she says. We know what she says. She says very clearly, let everything, let everything that you have said about me come true. May it happen. Whatever you've just said, may it all happen. But you have to understand, don't you? She is now interacting with God while she's facing the reality of her life. Her destiny as she saw it is totally different now. What is she going to do with Joseph? What is she going to do with her family? And thank God she's got a cousin, Elizabeth, who has experienced a miracle herself. But for 400 years, there's been no word from God. For 400 years, God has been silent. And suddenly God shows up to speak to Mary. Can I back up just a minute? When Mary was younger, she was growing up, she learned some really key things. Because her cousin Elizabeth was married to Zechariah, who was the high priest, she had some good training, some good understanding. She knew things about the scriptures. She knew things about God. She knew, for example that in Psalm 139, that she was formed and put together by God, that God had a special plan for her. And the Bible told her clearly through Psalm 139 that God had, had put together every detail of her lives even before there was one day of her life. She knew that. She knew that. She also knew the clear, clear instruction of Abraham and how Abraham left his land, not knowing where he was going. He too had one of those moments where destiny changed. So she knew all of that. But now she was right in the middle of it. Right in the middle of it. And I don't know how many of you ladies would have the same kind of response that Mary had. If the angel showed up and your plans were laid out and everything looked good and life was going to be wonderful and you had the man and you had the house and you had the chariot, you know, and you had, you had the horses. I mean, you had everything. Or the donkey in their case. But anyway, <laughs> you had it all. And suddenly the angel shows up. God shows up and says, time out, Mary. Time out. Put your own name in there. I got a different plan for you. Most of us would be like, what? What? <laughs> you know why this is so special? This is so special because most people, when, when they read this passage, just like they read about Joseph and so on, most people, when they read it, they read it almost like in a fairy tale, like Snow White and the Seven Dwarves or something. You know, it's, it's not real. And I'm here to tell you tonight, it's real. It's real. Mary had to deal with this. Mary had to respond to this. Mary had to interact with God. She had to make a choice. 
she had to choose whether she was going to accept the destiny that God had chosen for her or if she was going to pursue the destiny that she'd already put together with Joseph. She had to lay it all on the line. All on the line. And the question tonight is, will I accept? Will I accept my destiny? Because every one of us, every one of us has been given a destiny. Every one of us in this room have been made for a purpose. Been designed by God for greatness. Have truly been put together by the hand of God so that we could be fruitful and fulfilled in life. That's God's plan. You have a destiny. Will you accept your destiny? You know, the Bible is filled with people who did not fulfill their destiny. Unfortunately, it's true. Saul didn't fulfill his destiny. Solomon, Solomon did not fulfill his destiny. Destiny. Samson, Samson did not fulfill his destiny. So I need to share with you, I need to share with you the difference between your destiny and your fate. Do you know the difference between destiny and fate? There's a lot of people, when they read the Bible, they think that it is, it is absolutely something that is out of our control. We read Psalm 139 and people think, oh, God's got it all planned out. There's nothing I can do. Whatever I do is already part of his plan. doesn't matter where I go, what I do, what I choose, what I don't choose. It's all part of God's plan. God knows it all and it's a done deal. Listen to me. Being fatalistic. Fate. Fate is where you have no choice in the matter. Fate is what I grew up around in Iran. Islam is a religion of fate. It's all planned out. In fact, when we used to go to the Caspian Sea, we used to get in these, uh, these basically cabs, you know. In those days, we'd crawl into these cabs, you know, that they're supposed to fit like four or five comfortably. We get ten people in there. And those of you who are Iranians, you know exactly what I mean. And on the way to Cas- the Caspian, you have to go through the mountains. And going through the mountains, you have these, these switchback curves and these roads that are not real safe. In fact, one of our, one of our missionary f- friends came around a corner and ran into a, uh, ran into a cart and, and full of stuff, no lights or anything else, and, and they died. Very dangerous. But anyway... We'd be flying up these roads to go to the Caspian Sea. Awesome place. Wonderful place to go. We'd be flying up there, and we'd be in this cab, and so we're zipping along, and we come, we come up uh, against a bus or a truck or a car that's going slow. And do you know what we would do? Everybody in the car is just carrying on, talking. I mean, there's absolutely no change or shift in the environment in the car. None. But the driver turns to the oncoming traffic lane, whether you're going around a corner or straight, doesn't matter, turns over to the traffic lane, puts the hand on the horn, and just 
honks the horn all the way past the car, all the way around the corner, and we get to the other side, and everybody goes, yay. <laughs> it was fate. It was fate. We made it. If God didn't want us to make it, we would have all died. Oh, big deal. Fate. Fatalism, fatalism means that you have no choice in the matter. You can't change it. There's nothing you can do about it. Whatever's going to happen to you is going to happen to you. It's a done deal. It's already been pre-programmed. You're just going through the motions. That's fate. That's not destiny. That's not what the Bible teaches us. You know what the Bible teaches us? The Bible teaches us that God has a very unique, special destiny and plan for every single one of us. And here's the wonderful part. You and I get to choose whether we're going to accept the destiny He has for us or if we're going to demand our own destiny. We choose. We choose. Mary could have easily said to Gabriel, what? I mean, there's no way. I am not going to risk being stoned to death when I get back to Joseph. I'm not going to risk losing my future, my inheritance, and all the things that Joseph's going to provide for me. I'm not putting any of that on the line. Are you kidding me? Now, let's be honest. Most of us would be having that kind of conversation with God. And I don't know, maybe Mary did. <laughs> We're not told about it. We're told that Mary said, let it be done to me just as you've said. But I don't know if there wasn't any interaction. I wouldn't be surprised if Mary was saying, not only as she says in the passage, how can this be? But I can also imagine Mary saying, not only how can this be, but are you crazy? God, are you crazy? That's the way I felt in 1973 when God spoke to my heart in an empty lot in Prescott, Arizona. He said to me, Bob, you need to trust in Jesus Christ as your Savior. And he said, I've got a plan for your life. I remember saying, first half, okay. I need Jesus as my Savior because I'm a sinner and I need help. Okay, first half, okay. Second half, uh-uh. I already have a plan, God. I already have a plan. So during two years of my life after I trusted Christ... He and I were battling back and forth, back and forth about the plan, the destiny that he had for me. Because I had a different plan. What happens? What happens when you reject the plan that God has for you? Well, when you look in the scripture, there's a lot of examples. Some of it includes lots of pain, lots of heartache, lots of trouble, lots of difficulty. 
But this is what I want you to remember. Whenever you say no to God's plan and God's destiny, you give up two things that every human being needs. They were created and designed by God to have. You give up peace. You give up peace. The second thing you give up is that sense of being something worthwhile. Those are the two things you give up. Why? Because those are the two things that we were made to enjoy in a relationship with God. (laughs) God's plan always produces peace and purpose. Always. I mean, you might be poor as dirt, but you still have peace and purpose. (laughs) I remember when Ruth and I and the kids were in Illinois pastoring a great big church and everything was fine. We had no financial problems. The church was functioning really well. And I remember telling Ruth, I'm dying. I gotta, I, this, is not, this is not my destiny. I can't handle this. I said, God, what do I do? And he said, leave. I said, what? <laughs> leave? Just leave? You know what he said? Yeah. Just leave. What what am I going to do? Well, I'll lead you. I'll tell you as we go along. But you need to go back to Arizona. You need to start a church. I said, what? I don't have anybody around. He said, you got five kids and a wonderful wife. At the time, we didn't have five. But anyway, you have three kids and a wonderful wife. uh, Another one on the way. So I'm thinking, okay. So I'm going from stability, economic stability. I had a 401k before they even thought of 401ks. (laughs) My future was set at that church. Literally. We lived on a three-acre piece of property. We had a blast. Everything was great. The people were wonderful. God said no. And I said, what? We gave up, I need, to, I need to put this in parentheses, we gave up so much that you can never take with you. We gave up stuff in order to experience peace and purpose. Peace and purpose. And I kept asking God as we moved and started this whole process, I kept saying, how, how, how? Just like Mary said, how, how? And the answer was the same to me as to Mary. The power of the, over, of the highest shall overshadow you. God will take care of you. God will take care of us. And he did. He did. That's the third thing that you enjoy when you follow his lead. And that's his presence, his presence, his presence, his peace, and his purpose. Now, I want you to think about Mary as we wrap things up. Think about Mary. She chose to accept God's destiny. She chose to say yes. 
Look at the heartache she went through. Look at the pain she suffered. Look at the rejection she had to deal with. Look at that, that ride she had to take to Bethlehem. Look at where she was born. Look at the flight to Egypt. You got to hear this. This is one girl in school who was drawing pictures. They were all drawing pictures about the story of Jesus and one little girl handed hers in. These were just little kids and she handed it in and it was an airplane. And the teacher said, what is this? What does this have to do with Jesus? And she said, oh, that was the airplane when he took the flight to Egypt. Think about Mary. Just think about what she gave up. Look at the pain, the sorrow, the heartache, all of it. The unknown, the unknown. But here's what you need to remember. Joseph and Mary had the presence of God. Joseph and Mary had the peace of God. And Joseph and Mary had the purpose of God. We're all gathered here together on Christmas Eve. Why? Because Mary said yes. We're all gathered here because Mary said yes. And I want to tell you that there are still people out there. There are still people all around this world, in your neighborhood, people you work with, people you hang out with, people you go to school with. There are people everywhere who are wanting you to say yes to the destiny God has for you so that they too can point back to you. My life changed because someone else said yes to God's destiny for them. You see, destiny is not about what you do. It's not measured by what you do. It's not measured by how much you produce. Millionaires are going to stand before God and paupers are going to stand before God. And both of them are going to give an account, not for what they earned, not for the jobs that they did, but they're going to give an account as to whether or not they said yes to God and his destiny for their lives. See, God doesn't measure your life or mine by what we produce or how high up the ladder we go in business or how big our houses are. No, no. God evaluates our lives by a relationship. Your destiny and mine, just like Mary's, is tied to a person. It's tied to Jesus Christ. Tied to Jesus. And so tonight, tonight if you're here and you have not yet said yes to Jesus as, as the Messiah, the Savior, the Son of God, then it's your choice your choice I remind you a lot of people have told me why does God send people to hell and you know what my answer is God doesn't send anybody to hell they bought the ticket themselves they're waiting in the lobby to get on the plane they're the ones that say no to God they're the ones that say I'm having it my way, just like Adam and Eve did. Your destiny is tied to a relationship with Jesus. Say yes. Say yes.
And you know what? If you've already said yes, if you already accepted Him as your Savior and Lord, that babe that was born so long ago, and if you know Him as your Savior, you can still miss out on His destiny, His presence, His peace, His purpose. Will you accept your destiny. Father, we thank you tonight. We want to thank you that Jesus Christ was born to die. His destiny was to die. To die so that we might live. We want to thank you tonight. We want to pray, Father, that each one here in this place tonight will come to will come to a place in their hearts where they'll say yes. They'll say yes. Lord, we want so much in our lives to have peace because life is full of trouble. And we want purpose. We don't want to just go through the motions. We want there to be meaning to our lives. You provide that. And we want to thank you tonight for your blessed presence. May we, like Mary, after wrestling, may we come to the place where we say, may everything that you have said, may everything you desire be true. May it come to pass. In Jesus' name, amen.